Two down, two to go in the first day of postseason baseball. Minnesota just wrapped it up against Toronto 3-1. Their first postseason win since October 5th. 2004 for the Twins. Wow. That's a long time, yeah, it folks. Is. God. Yeah. Baseball's, uh, it's we torture. Were, we were seniors in high school. Yep. Wow, that's nuts. Yeah. They, they were showing highlights. I wore cornrows back the last time <laughs> the Twins. Oh, I think we all can look back on hair we had when we were younger and all have had some, uh, some some mistakes. I don't, oh, yeah. I don't regret it. I'd do it again if yeah. I had someone to twist me up. I had the, the bleach. I did the tips. I would do it again. I, I actually asked. I asked my wife. I was like, "Do you think I could pull this off?" And oh, she was like, "No, you oh, have no. to find a new wife." Oh my! <laughs> it's since the Twins last won a postseason game. I've actually had two friends, two buddies, make their MLB debut, uh, including uh, my buddy Joe Benson with the Twins. Neither ever obviously made it to the postseason. Neither even in the league anymore since the last time they won a playoff game. Like baseball, unless you're a big market team, unless mm-hmm. you're like the Dodgers, Yankees. I mean, although the Brewers on a nice little run here in the NL Central the last couple of years, but it could be torture. I'm a Cub fan, huge market, terrible team, terrible organization, <laughs> rips my soul out every year. I mean, it's it's that's part of being a fan, though, right? You got to suffer. It, I hate it. I, mean, I know. Other but, than 2016, well, that's best true. year ever. I that's wish I true. could go back. Take me back. <laughs> take take me back. All right, we bring on Ben Brown, our favorite NFL data scientist yeah. with Pinnacle. Uh, let, let's start with what we saw last night or maybe what we didn't see with the Giants. What do you make of this team at this point? And what's the outlook for the Giants the rest of the season, given what you saw? Yeah, that it is a really good question. Obviously, you know, going out and paying Daniel Jones, you know, very much expecting him to kind of be this person who can navigate, you know, any sort of defensive pressure in a lot of situations. Like he was really successful at it, you know, rushing the football last year. In some ways, that's like the one thing that has carried forward. But I think the piece that hasn't whatsoever has been, uh, you know, the complete lack of separation that they're getting at both the intermediate and deep routes with some of these wide receivers that, you know, very much I would say haven't emerged whatsoever. Guys like Isaiah Hodgins down the stretch last year, you know essentially not existed. We're working some guys back from injury situations, but this is still, I would say, a really underwhelming receiving unit. In a lot of ways, you know, it, it was supposed to be Dar- Darren Waller kind of like the answer to a lot of the questions with what they had last year, but he hasn't really provided any sort of, I would say, semblance of intermediate over-the-middle type opportunities for Daniel Jones. And because of that, a lot of their situations are breaking down from a pressure perspective. And if they don't get, you know, Daniel Jones to alleviate some of those situations, uh, they're stalling out quite quickly. And they just don't have, I would say, the defensive playmakers to compete with some of these better teams I would say in the NFC so without Daniel Jones getting back to where he was at last year and kind of being able to navigate some of the pressure and keep his eyes downfield they're a team that very much I would say looks like the worst the worst team in the division uh in the NFC East right now yeah they do and they're not just they're not throwing the ball to Darren Waller either I think he had one week where he had six targets but other than that it's been a uh, pretty slim Bengals defensively Ben have been Real buns, as we say, as the kids say. Last year, they were ranked 7th in the NFL and DVOA. Right now, their defense is ranked 25th. Of course, they lose Eli Apple, Jesse Bates, impact player. Other than that, what what do you think is the main reason that this defense has fallen off of a cliff? Yeah, I do think, you know, when we, when we talk about some of these things, and obviously, obviously Luan Morello got like a ton of credit last year for scheming up, you know, a, a lot of successful plays where they didn't maybe need a ton of pressure and it could kind of alleviate a pretty decent 
you know, a secondary type situation and not have a ton of breakdowns. But when you, like you said, you lose guys like Jesse Bates, who was very much the leader of this defense, and and you kind of fill in that free safety position with younger players, like then the Cam Taylor Brits of the year, of the world, maybe don't look as solid as they did last year when they're kind of like supposed to be the best cover cornerback or the second best cover cornerback, very much probably the third option last year. So I I think when you lose that veteran presence, it, it really, I would say, hinders a lot of the young growth that could potentially happen with guys like Cam Taylor Britt and then and then when things break down you know they don't really have I would say a ton of pressure happening early on and and the fact that they are probably playing you know behind from behind in a lot of situations more so than what they were last year with the offense kind of clicking on all cylinders like it does expose I would say uh this Bengals secondary in particular that that maybe was overachieving last year and very much hasn't gotten anywhere close to that sort of expectation last year and I think you know with where we're at in the AFC North like this was very much probably a must-win game for the Cincinnati Bengals. They did, obviously did not come anywhere close to doing that or didn't even really show any semblance of life against the Tennessee Titans. And, and I think for all intents and purposes, they're not going to have this sort of comeback like they did last season and are probably going to be very much on the outside looking into the playoff race when it's all said and done. That's what I was going to say is do you think that they were exposed for who they truly were last year, but because of situational football, we just didn't really ever see it? Yeah, I do think that in a lot of ways, like, it's easy, I would say, to, you know, coach up a secondary that maybe has some holes when you are playing from ahead. And and even when, you know, a guy like Lou Amarillo is a really good play caller and really good defensive schemer, but when people start to get, you know, a, a second look at his defenses and they start to have the whole offseason to kind of maybe game plan in certain ways for what they're actually trying to do, that's when you start to see some more wrinkles in place. And when you lose some guys on top of that, it's a ton of confounding factors. And then you get behind and, and you're kind of pressing and you don't know if the other team's going to be rushing or throwing the football and you very much are kind of playing back on your heels and then you are allowing some of those big plays and I think very much last year the the fact that they were good was maybe they had such a such a strong basis for now not allowing a ton of chunk plays and but you know that's one way of actually winning them from the defensive perspective but you do need turnovers especially in crucial situations or pressure and that turns into sacks in crucial situations and that just hasn't manifested I would say whatsoever to the point where it's really mattered from an impact standpoint on where they're at uh, defensively and unfortunately you know the offense just doesn't have enough I would say to keep up to I would say you know really keep them in football games either so I think it's a combination of factors but it, it, it in some ways feels like the Bengals you know Super Bowl type window closed a lot more quickly than what people we're projecting they've been coming into the season uh ben the nfc north's not very good with the vikings and the bears and then you know green bay probably a year away but you know detroit i wanted to get your thoughts on them and maybe what their ceiling is this season in the nfc we know how good philadelphia and san francisco are but i don't think a lot of us expected the defense to look this good again they're really good against the run top five and then uh you know they're getting pressure and they're about to get jamison williams back on the offensive side of the ball Do you think that they're serious contenders this season? Obviously, they should win the North, but do you think they could go on a run this year? I I definitely think they can win a playoff game. You know, obviously how things are stacking up right now, they look like they, you know, will probably run away with the NFC North. That puts them in kind of, you know, that, that, that second or maybe even third seed, depending on how, you know, beat up the NFC East kind of gets at the top. But, you know, then you're very much kind of looking at, you know, a secondary team that isn't really going to be that good. So I do think they can go in. I think they're going to probably be close to, you know, maybe even four and a half to five point favorites at home in the divisional or in the wild card round of the playoffs. And then from there, if they get hot, you know, they're matching up against a team like Dallas or, or maybe a team like San Francisco. And, and we've seen that at certain points in time, a hot quarterback can potentially you know, overcome them, especially if you do get some mistakes from the opposite team's quarterback situation. So I do think the makings are definitely in place. And kind of like you said, offensively, you know, they, they very much answer the bell, I would say, with, you know, Ben Johnson 
being back for another season, kind of getting the best out of Jared Goff. And they do seem to have, you know, playmakers emerging outside of Amon Ross St. Brown. And, and it does seem like they've, I would say, very much hit on, you know, the rookie class. And I think that was maybe the question mark. Obviously, Jameer Gibbs isn't getting a ton of opportunities from, you know, any of his fantasy yeah. owners' uh, projections or anything like that. But when you look at the overall draft class, like Brian Branch looks like a legitimate shutdown, you know, slot cornerback already. That's a really crucial piece to figure out with your defense. And if you are getting a guy that Aiden Hutchinson, who is kind of emerging as one of the better, you know, pressure guys from the defensive end position this quickly, this early on in his career, you can do a lot of things defensively. And then once again, they are a team that, you know, has the offensive capability to the point where their defense is playing, you know, with their ears pinned back, knowing that the other team is going to be throwing the football a ton. And when you can do that, it simplifies a lot of things for you. And I do think that if they kind of stay ahead uh, of that idea and still can kind of build on where they've been at, because they do have so many young playmakers, especially coming up from the defensive side of the football, like there is a very good chance that I think they could be that upper tier type team in the NFC North when it's all said and done. Talking to Ben Brown, BetMGM tonight. Yeah, we're at that quarter mark of the season now. Bye weeks are starting to kick in for some teams. I feel like we've got at least some semblance of a sample size to kind of at least get an idea, I think, of what some teams' identities are where we had question marks there. Uh, the NFC was the more wide-open conference coming into this year, and the Lions had high expectations. feel like they've kind of lived up to that at this point. Then we got a team like the Bucks. I'm watching Tampa going... Baker Mayfield looks pretty good. You know, that, that defense is seventh in po points allowed this season. Is Tampa a team that is, well, one, a playoff team from what you've seen in the NFC? And two, is it a team that could, I mean, I don't know, win a playoff game once they get to the playoffs if they keep this up? Yeah, I, I and it is really interesting that you say that because I was, you know, going back with some, going over back and forth with some people previously kind of heading into the season, and it was this idea that, you know, Baker Mayfield with where he was at last year with the Los Angeles Rams, obviously a really small sample size, but he was kind of turning things around and he did have, I would say, some flash type games where he strung multiple games together in the Cleveland Browns organization as well. And, and for all intents and purposes, we forgot that. We forgot the fact that he was, you know, this highly thought of number one overall draft pick type player. And he probably does have a, a pretty decent ceiling time out type outcome uh, you know, within the confines of where he was actually drafted. And we do obviously know that draft capital, you know, kind of continues to play for, but there is a reason why he was drafted so highly. And we're kind of starting to see that. And I do think this is very much, you know, one of, if not, you know, the best situations that he's been around as far as like skill position on the field. I know the offensive line is still a little bit banged up, but obviously, you know, this was a team that is just a couple of years removed from winning the Super Bowl. And the really, you know, they've obviously lost a few pieces along the way and very much the Tom Brady drop off to Baker Mayfield should have been a pretty high, you know, a decisive difference between these two teams but with Baker Mayfield playing towards the top end of his range like they can easily win a down NFC South division and I very much think that they could you know get hot at the right time and maybe go up and actually beat a team like Philadelphia in Philadelphia come playoff time if Baker's feeling dangerous if he's playing at the top of his game but that's always been I think the thing with Baker Mayfield is you never really know what you're going to get from one week to the next and I very much think he is probably if not the hardest player to still project right now but what we've seen through the first four weeks of the season, if that continues, I not only think the, the Buccaneers could potentially be you know, that NFC South champion, but I very much think that they're going to make some noise come playoff time as well. We're talking about tomorrow's game, and you know the Bears have been abysmal, 1-8-1 and one against the spread in their last 10. I think they're 2-8 and, and eight against the spread as road, uh, as road underdogs as well. So, But we were talking about the number, 6.5. 
Do you think it's moved down to five and a half now? Do you think that the Commanders are five and a half, six and a half points better than the Bears? And if you were to make the case for uh, taking the Bears to cover, what do you think happens in order for that to take place? Yeah, I, it is a very good question because even, you know, heading into the season, like there was no point, there was no way that this spread was going to be as wide as we thought it was, you know, when they, when we saw some of the look ahead lines and everything else. But, you know, the Bears, for all intents and purposes, have been the worst team in football. And a lot of that, you know, it probably does fall on Justin Fields' shoulders, but obviously the coaching staff and everything else isn't really, I would say, putting him in the best situation to actually prove what he can do on the football field. And I know he does have, you know, more playmakers around him, but this is still a situation where they seem hesitant to, get him outside the pocket, let him run, let him make plays with his legs and then kind of get comfortable and then start to throw the football down the field and really only need to make, you know, a couple reads before if he doesn't have that open, you know, he can obviously take off and run. So I do think we're going to need to see him obviously alleviate some pressure. I think that has been a big part of the commanders, you know, success this season very much has been a defense that is starting to definitely figure it out, you know, with Chase Young, Montez Sweat kind of rushing the passer. I do think that they have a pretty decent, you know, group of guys where they don't have a ton of weaknesses from the secondary perspective either. And I do think the only way the Bears can really keep this game close and really maybe stay ahead of the changes by relying heavily on Justin Fields' legs. And I don't know if we've necessarily seen them try to maximize that yet, but on a short week, given the fact that they are really desperate, I think now is the time to kind of come out with that sort of play calling and that mentality and let Justin Fields potentially win them a football game with his legs. And I do think that's probably, you know, the one real way that they can keep this game close because that is going to open up things for DJ Moore and the rest of this receiving unit downfield. And I very much think that the being, you know, in a shootout type environment, is really the only way that the Bears are going to win this game. So I think they have to score points, and I think they have to be aggressive, and I really think that that's got to start from the coaching staff on down. And in order to kind of implement that game plan, uh, they're really going to need to, I would say, shift focus from where they've been at the previous four weeks. Uh, ben, we got about two minutes. This uh, this question might take longer, but the Steelers' <laughs> offense, you know, and I know Pickett's dinged right now, but is it just Matt Canada's really, really bad, or do you, like, see anything? Because in the preseason, everything looked really good, and then they scored six against the Texans. I guess the noise-canceled score, they had 12 points, so that's a little bit better. But what do you make of their offense right now? It's brutal. Yeah, it is brutal. I mean, a lot of it is Matt Canada. I know, you know, we're still trying to peel apart you know, the impact that, you know, a really good offensive coordinator or the lack of a really good offensive coordinator can have to the success of a, uh, of, a, of, a of an offensive unit. But, you know, they played really strong defenses the first two weeks and in some ways had a pretty decent game against the Las, Las Vegas Raiders and then completely, you know, fell apart again against the Houston Texans team that I think is probably a little bit underrated from the defensive side of the football. So I think a lot of it is the fact that maybe Kenny Pickett isn't quite where he we, we kind of projected him to be last season. Uh, and it's been a really difficult starting point for him with some difficult defenses as well. And obviously, you know, Matt Canada not doing him any favors whatsoever. But they still have a ton of guys without Deontay Johnson that I would say don't really are not really capable of separating at the NFL level. So George Pickens, I know he has flash plays, but still seems, you know, more lost than when he's not lost in a lot of ways. And unless he's breaking off huge chunk plays after the catch, isn't a really detailed route runner. So I think it's going to be a long season for the Pittsburgh Steelers, you know, when it's all said and done. You know, Ben, it's almost like the preseason and training camp highlights. Don't give us the full picture or something. Who knows? Who would have thought, right? Ben Brown, Pinnacle, always good to talk to you, man. Thanks for coming on with us. The Steelers lied to us. So uh, should the Giants maybe just tank the rest of the way? Are they in auto fate? Ben, MGM the Ninth.